0: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith,
1: participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Joining me, as usual, in the studios from South Bend, Indiana, is my good friend and compatriot, my buddy, uh, and the man who beat Steph Curry in a three-point shootout before the NBA Finals last year, (laughs) Ken Hellanious. Ken, how you doing, brother? Maybe on the
0: NBA Live uh, on the Xbox, perhaps, (laughs) and even then... Highly unlikely, but uh, yeah, you know, my, my basketball career ended with CYO basketball in the sixth grade, and um, and I remember distinctly the last time I was on the court, I had told my coach, like before, I was like, oh man, I really want to throw the ball backwards at the hoop, he said, you do that, I will pull you off the court, well... <laughs> Um, so he was not lying and, uh, <laughs> and I don't think I played basketball again, but you know, it was, uh, it was lovely. Uh, now basketball, that's the sport where they use the round orange ball, correct? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not exactly
0: uh known for my <laughs> athletic prowess. I will say that.
1: Well, I, I made it to basketball to 8th grade. Oh. And then I stopped growing. So uh <laughs> so I switched to wrestling when I got to high school. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And <laughs> I've been the same height ever since 8th grade. Wow. And so. uh,
0: I was I was going to say you're you're working on getting back to your fighting weight, so that's good. Yeah, I, that's right. I just like to wear the shorts. You know, the, and, and, and have the, uh, kind of coat put on my shoulders and people walking in with me when I enter rooms, that's as close as I get to wrestling as well.
1: Oh boy. So how are things going at the D. Nicholas center?
0: The De Nicholas center. Things are great. Uh, you know, of course we're just, uh, we this is um, fall break week, so uh, if you can believe it already, the school year is already is already well underway. We're we're uh, halfway through this semester, and so. Things are quiet this week on campus, which is nice, um, and I'm not actually traveling this time, so that's nice. Uh, last year, if you'll remember, in October, I was I was actually in Rome throughout most of October uh, with the students. We had a great fall break last year, pilgrimage to Rome. That was a lot of fun, and it was beautiful. Actually... About this time last year, I was in the Church of um, Saint Ignatius, well, where where Ignatius is buried, in the Church of Saint Clement, uh, and so um, you know it was a lovely time. But then this year, not quite as much travel as last year. So, um, but it's good to be home, and uh, yeah, the school year started well. How about for you, Deacon?
1: Oh, excellent. Well, you know, doing my doing my usual jaunts all right. around, all around the well, the, the U.S. this time uh so uh this week i'm in lance michigan uh i used used to say l apostrophe a n s e and at first i thought it was Laans, but it's lance i guess the way they they pronounce (laughs) it yeah (laughs) in lance yeah uh michigan this week and then i head to the uh men's conference in connecticut oh wow in bristol connecticut yeah i always like going back east yeah And, and uh so yeah i'm looking looking forward to all that awesome possum Well, great. Well, you know, a few weeks
0: ago, we started talking about the apostolic fathers, kind of some of the earliest preachers of the faith and apologists, people who uh, received the faith directly from the apostles and then handed it out, you know, handed it down. Um, And these are important teachers in the faith because they Even at this very early stage, we're talking about the first two centuries of the church. Even at this early stage, they're talking about and witnessing to the existence of the apostolic tradition— the importance of the bishops, priests, and deacons in the church. They're talking about the real presence in the Eucharist. They're talking about the way we worship. There are so many um, important things that they are attesting to as having existed in the faith as part of the life of the church from the very earliest stages. And so um, so we're going to continue a bit of that tonight.
1: Yeah, and uh, tonight we're going to start off talking about St. Justin Martyr. Who I guess technically isn't an apostolic father because he wasn't a bishop, right? Uh, but he is considered the father of apologetics. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a philosopher and a martyr that often called Saint Justin Martyr. Martyr's is not his last name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of hate having a last
0: name like that. You're like, well, I guess I know yeah. what I'm doing. You know, yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> this yeah. is not going to end so, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, uh, but he's often called Saint Justin Martyr, um, uh, the probably the most important uh, apologist of the second century, and, and again considered the father of apologetics. Uh, again, now but so, unpack um, that
0: word apologist for me. Yeah.
1: So, uh, uh, apologist comes from, it doesn't mean to apologize for the faith, right, by the way. Right. Uh, apologia in Greek means uh, defense. Okay. Like, so for example, Plato's apologetics, if you ever took a philosophy class, uh, it's Plato's defense of Socrates, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's not apologizing for anything, it's his defense. That's just the word they used back in the day. Okay. So, that's where we get the word apologetics mm-hmm. from, it means to defend. Basically, the apologists back in the time of, of Justin had basically. Two main branches or two main things that they did. One uh, was to um, defend the faith, obviously, especially Christianity, which was new. And, and so it had to be defended against the, the different attacks against it, even from outside the church with the pagans and the, the, the Romans, of course, and the Greeks with the pantheon of gods. And and also even from within the church, from different heresies that were going on uh, at the time. So that was the the first thing, the straight defense. And then there was a a positive uh, uh, message, a, a missionary concern uh, to explain the content of the faith in a way that people could understand. Yeah, you know. Um, so sometimes when you when you look at theology, like. What circumcision of the Trinity, and divine perichoresis? You know, it's, it's often lofty, but but what Justin Martyr did was was break it down in a way that was very intelligible and that people could understand. Because remember, there were no books back then,
0: right? Right. You know, so people just couldn't either- go. Oh, let
1: me go pick up my book and see what he what, what he published. It was nothing like that. So a lot of it was passed down orally, yeah, the oral through the oral tradition.
0: Yeah, this idea of you had to actually go and walk with your teacher, uh, and and or sit around them, you know, like. In what we would think of as a classroom, but and listen to, and and you often weren't taking notes or anything like that. On certainly not on paper, because paper is a relatively modern invention. Uh, you might have a wax stylus, you know, a wax tablet and a stylus, but even then, you know, that's that's only good for a little while. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of memorization and repetition and the learning that gets handed down through, as we say, the oral tradition.
1: Yep, that's right. And Justin was born about the year 100. And the, th- the thing is, you know, didn't, there weren't like birth records back then. So a lot of these apostolic files, you'll be hearing us say things like, he was born around this time. Mm-hmm. We think he was born here. I mean, there's no real records they actually don't <laughs> have
0: baptismal up. records at parishes like we do these days right So right. you know, exactly. that
1: was a church that something picked up the church picked up from the Romans mm-hmm. you know the record keeping so he was born around the year 100 near the ancient city of Shechem uh, which is uh, mentioned a number of times in, in the Old Testament, of course, in the Psalms as well. Yeah.
0: Modern day Nablus, uh, which you may hear yeah. about in the news on occasion, uh, Nablus being in, in the Holy Land there uh, in uh, Israel, kind of uh, northern Israel.
1: Yep. And he spent a long time just seeking truth. And of course, back then, it, he studied Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he did was so beautifully, I think, was the, to kind of marry philosophical thought with theology um so he was the kind of first one to attempt to do that um and he wrote a a couple of things is um dialogue with trifo was one of his famous ones is Catechesis on uh, apologetics is the other one yeah i think the two the two documents that he's known for
0: you know you mentioned he was he studied philosophy and uh, one of the things that i read about justin was that he kind of worked his way through the various schools of philosophy, you know, by attaching himself to various teachers. But he didn't like one of his teachers because the guy was focused on uh, asking him whether or not he had his tuition money in hand and he said well if that's all you're really worried about then what do you care about teaching me the truth you know and so mm. that didn't impress him and it didn't stick with him uh, another one of his teachers he he just said the guy was wishy-washy and i couldn't really believe that <laughs> that he held an actual truth because he would change his mind it seemed and so he was searching for truth and as you said you know, apprenticing himself to the Greek philosophical schools because these were considered the pinnacle of learning at the time. But there's a story is told that finally he encountered an old Christian by the seashore and that this man actually revealed to him, talked to him about the prophets of old, specifically referring to the Old Testament prophets who had spoken in the name of God and the prophecies that they they had delivered had been proven true, especially in Christ Jesus, that they had predicted that a Savior would come and that that Savior had come. And this was the first teaching to which Justin said this i can look at and i can verify and i can believe and it is a sure teaching one that is not wishy-washy and this old man is not asking me for money to to tell me about this truth and so this is what he latched on to and it impressed him so that he actually himself Became a Christian and then wanted to establish a school where he, too, could pass on the truths of the Christian faith that he had received.
1: Yeah. And and that uh, what tradition is. Right. Mm-hmm. To, it means uh, handed down, right. you know, so he began to hand down. And as we get the word tradition from uh, and we have to distinguish here uh, between what we call big T and small T tradition, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So when we talk about sacred tradition, we're talking about it as part of the deposit of faith. So you have uh, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, which are both upheld and uh, defended and interpreted by the magisterium, the authentic teaching authority of the church. It's like a three-legged stool. You pull out one of those legs, the whole thing's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so tradition of those things that were handed down from Christ to the apostles and the apostles to us. So the things that they said, the things that they wrote, the institutions that they established, um, we consider that part of the received tradition from the 12 apostles. Right. You know, and and with the the actual friends of Jesus. Right. Exactly. And from after the death of the last apostle, which is John, that's when revelation stopped. You know, the, and so the church had received all of this teaching, and, um, and in fact, scripture comes out of sacred tradition. Because remember, there was no uh, scripture up until about sixty-five or seventy A.D. Uh, so a lot of the teachings about Jesus were, were was handed down, or there were the letters of Paul, of course, mm-hmm. but they weren't the gospels yet. Um, and, and so uh, the gospels come out of the church's tradition you know we hold uh both of those in equal weight as saint paul says that, that he handed on what he received either orally or in writing
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so paul even talks about and i think it's the thessalonians where he talks about uh s- scripture and tradition being of equal weight and, and value and so now as opposed to what we call small t tradition for example wearing green in ordinary time right you know right. imagine i mean i mean okay that's beautiful symbolism but that can change, you know, no meat on Fridays fasting is a small T tradition. That's something that can change, right. you know, so we're not talking about traditions. Like when it's your your birthday, they walk in with a cake and balloons and they sing a, a a song, you know, that's called happy birthday. I mean, those are traditions, what we call small T. That has nothing to do with the revelation of God or the deposit of faith or anything like right. that. So, now,
0: that is such an yeah. important distinction because the church you know, does have these small T traditions that get handed down and that we attach great um, significance to and help illuminate a truth of the faith. But when they change, that does not mean the church is losing its faith. Right. And this is the important thing. Um, so Justin, Having been a philosopher, um, you mentioned that he wrote two kind of major um, documents that we continue to have today. One of them is um, called the Dialogue with with Trifo, which was um, uh, an interaction that he writes in which he, um, Trifo is a Hebrew, is a Jewish man. And he uh, sought to explain how Christianity was the fulfillment of mm. what the prophets had been waiting for, and what and so how Christianity was the fulfillment of the the law and the prophets. That's this, you know, kind of an important document because it helps explain uh, even that in that early time how the church saw itself as connected to the the uh, Hebrew tradition um, and yet a distinctive completion thereof. Um, the other most important document uh, is the the uh, Apology that he wrote. And he wrote this uh, to the sitting emperor and to his family. So the sitting emperor at the time, it would have been written somewhere between 161 and 167. Uh, he wrote it to um, Antoninus Pius who was emperor at the time and his sons. One of his sons is Marcus Aurelius who became the next Mm. emperor Uh, marcus aurelius of course if any of you have seen the movie gladiator we know who marcus aurelius was a very famous philosopher in his own right he was a learned emperor he was a stoic who himself handed down um reflections called the meditations of marcus aurelius so he was a thinker himself so Justin, as a philosopher, knew that he was writing to learned people. And he wanted to, therefore, show that the truths of the philosophy that he had been learning in Greek philosophy were fulfilled and pointed to Jesus Christ. And so this is the the most important document. Uh, as you say, this is the beginning of apologetics.
1: Yeah, that's it. And so... What Justin intends to do in his writings overall, in, including both of the beautiful documents that you mentioned, uh, he intends to illustrate the divine project of creation mm-hmm. and salvation, yeah. you know, which is a f- fulfilled in Jesus Christ, which is the Logos. And, and that's the word that he uses quite frequently, this idea of the, of the Logos, the, the word. He says that every person as a rational being shares in the Logos, carrying within themselves the seed where they can perceive glimmers of truth. And that should sound familiar mm-hmm. because Paul talks about the same thing in Romans chapter one and Romans chapter two. Because remember, he's writing to the Romans, right? And and so is and so is, uh, and so is uh, Saint Justin here, uh, writing to the, these philo- these people that are understanding of philosophy. And now he's trying to see because the words are very important in philosophy, right? But now he's trying to show them the word, the logos, the eternal word. You know, um, and and he talks about he can perceive uh, truth in these in in philosophy, but that ultimately, though, this logos is historical and it's personal uh, and is manifested fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And, And so, you know, so when we encounter other religions today and we enter into dialogue with them, we should always start as Justin did and as St. Paul did, looking for what is it is that truth, right, yes. that that logos, what is it that they have that we can appreciate and we can start our discussion with something that a foundational truth that we that we have in common. That's right. And that could be a good starting point for for dialogue when we're dialoguing with people about truth
0: exactly right and we recognize that these truths these seeds of the word these seeds of reasonable truth exist and yet they are not complete they are partial and so that's how we can say that the the truths, even like, for example, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament points to you know, this is a long tradition in the church of interpreting the Old Testament, saying that the gospel is hidden in the Old Testament and that the Old Testament is fulfilled in the life of Christ and the teachings in the new, of the New Testament. And so this is this idea of the partial truths that are fulfilled in the fullness of time, which is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, that word logos or the eternal word should sound familiar, not just from the letters of St. Paul, uh, not just from the letter to the Romans, as you say in chapters one and two, but also from the prologue of the gospel of John. Because the Gospel of John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word that is translated as the Word is logos, the Word of God, the reason of God. That's what we're talking about here. So Justin is echoing not just St. Paul, but also St. John the apostle when he says that christ was the eternal word the very splendor of the father that's where he is taking this and so that's so important because as he goes on to say the old testament and greek philosophy both are like two paths that lead to christ The logos, the reason, the word of the Father. That's why the church even today demands of our ministers, of our priests, of our deacons, of our bishops, that they be well-versed in philosophy. Because we say that Christianity, the, the faith that we have received, is itself reasonable. God is the creator of reason. God acts with reason and we share that gift of reason because we too are reasonable beings. And so philosophy helps us understand the fullness of God's revelation and God's existence.
1: And uh, that's why Justin made the point that Greek philosophy is really not opposed to the gospel truth and that Christians can draw confidently from that truth and and utilize that in in Christian thought. Right. So two good examples of that. Uh, one that you just uh, mentioned, uh, seminarians when they start off in uh, uh, in the seminary, start off with philosophy. Right. You know, sometimes I'm in first first philosophy or second philosophy. They usually take two years of philosophy before they start their theological studies. Right. And as John Paul II talked about in *Fides et Ratio*, his uh, uh, faith and reason, how he said that philosophy was the daughter. In a sense of theology, mm-hmm. and we also see this theology wonderful, is the queen
0: of the sciences.
1: You know? Yes, yeah. So yes, and uh, and we see this in, in, for example, St. Thomas Aquinas, right. who in his uh, Summa Theologiae talks about the philosopher, right? Aristotle. <laughs> like Aristotle yep. You know, so so even so, Thomas draws heavily from philosophical thought in, in, in theology, and so and and so, Justin Martyr, this is what he's beginning to do very early on in the church.
0: Yep. And it's so critical because um, what Justin goes on to explain to the emperor in his apology, he says he uses that as a way to understand that the Christians themselves, whom he was persecuting, the Christians were not being unreasonable and they were in refusing to worship the. Roman and Greek gods but the Christians were actually fulfilling what the Roman and Greek gods were pointing to and they were and they were consistent with reason so he actually says you know he kind of basically pointed to the idea that the pagan religion did not follow reason anymore but that it clung to myth. And their version of, of uh, kind of religion was merely, uh, you know, a collection of ceremonies and conventions and customs. It was not acting in accordance with the reason that had created all things. That was Christ. And in refusing to worship these ceremonies and customs that were not connected to reason, which was basically the Roman religion at the time, Christians were instead preferring to worship the Creator that had given uh, rise to all reasonable things. And so it was, of course, because of this that the Emperor was not entirely pleased. And we need to say that, again, <laughs> Justin Martyr is not his last name, but he actually was eventually <laughs> killed because he was considered impious or impious because he refused to act in in accordance with the romans religion which he said was not even anything that was reasonable to follow anymore
1: so yeah you know know, and one of my favorite favorite things of of all time in the church was a, a letter part of a letter which is actually the catechism of the catholic church paragraph 1345 it's a partial letter From Justin Martyr's apology to uh, the Antoninus Pius, he's uh, trying to explain what Christians do. Yes, right. He's trying to explain what Christians do, and so um, you know, some of you may may not be familiar with this, but but and it's but you are familiar with it because here's here's what he says. He says, uh, on the day we call the day of the sun. Gee, what day is that? <laughs> Thursday? <laughs> Sunday. All who dwell in the city or, or country gather in the same place. Okay. What do we call that? A church? Well, church. <laughs> but back then, of course, there were no churches because right. it was illegal to be a Christian. So they either they celebrated mass in one or two places, either in the catacombs which you can still see today when you're in Rome and still actually celebrate mass at the catacombs or um, in people's homes. Right. So on this day of the sun, Sunday, they all got together. He says the memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets are read. See the memoirs of the apostles, New Testament, the writings of the prophets, Old Testament. So yep. they read the Old and New Testament. When he had finished reading, he who presides over these things, or over presides over those gathered, admonishes and challenges them to imitate these beautiful things. The homily. Uh, then we all rise together and offer prayers for ourselves and for all others wherever they may be, the prayers of the faithful. They conclude with a kiss, the sign of peace. Someone brings bread and a cup of water and wine mixed together, the offertory. Then they offer some praise and thanksgiving to the King of the universe, in which in, in, for a considerable time he gives thanks eucharist stain he gives eucharist mm-hmm. when he has concluded the prayers of thanksgiving all say amen and when he is though he has presided he who has presided has given thanks the people have responded those whom we call deacons give to those present the eucharistic bread and water and wine and take them to those who are absent wow so hey, gee, that does sounds that sound like really you?
0: familiar deacon yeah you like know. <laughs> maybe something i did this past sunday
1: <laughs> yeah and that's about 155 a.d yeah Yeah. So, and we're still doing. So, people, the mass change. This mass, extraordinary form versus the ordinary form. Look this is the ma- he's talking about the mass in 155 so yep. yes the more things change the more they stay the same so the the basic foundation of the mass is still the same as it was back in the time of Justin martyr
0: you know and earlier in that same letter and this is by the way from chapters 66 and 67 of his apology he says this food is called among us the eucharist of which no one is allowed to partake but the one who believes that the things which we teach are true and who has been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins in other words only for the baptized uh, and who is so living as christ has enjoined for not as common bread and common drink do we receive these but in like manner as jesus christ our savior has both flesh and blood for our salvation so he's already saying this is the true body and blood of christ and you need to be baptized before you can receive it. And again, this is in 150, 160. We're not talking about newfangled te- teachings, friends. We're talking about the ever <laughs> true teaching of the apostles that is the church has believed constantly since the earliest days. It's just amazing.
1: That's right. And, he, and now that tradition is handed down to us today. So That's we can right. still talk about Justin Martyr all these years later. Well, we're out of time once again, Ken. The time goes so fast. So, how can people stay in touch with us? Well, it's
0: easy. If you're on Facebook, you can go to Livingstones Media. Just type that into your search bar and you'll find our page. You can also visit livingstonesmedia.org as uh, on our website. You can download previous episodes of the show. And you can always connect with us on Twitter at Catholic Stones. Deacon, until we gather next week, might we have a blessing?
1: May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers.
1: Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.